cults over here. Cults over there. There are cults everywhere. And we're going to tell you all about it with a fairy tale twist. Welcome to Once, Once Upon a Cult. Once upon a time, there was a tale as old as time. Man is religious. Man decides to build a church. Man decides to cut off church from people, turn it kind of culty. Gets very culty. Man decides to do things with children. We've heard this story before. <laughs> so many times. This could be any cult, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hello. On that light note, welcome to Once Upon a Cult. My name's Sean. I'm Rachel. And I'm Alan. And this is the third in what I like to call the cat series, the yeah. series of cats. So she sent in a Soka Gakai. She sent in uh, Satine Phoenix, <laughs> Jameson Stone, and today's New, New Testament Christian Churches of America. Woo. That's a lot. We yeah. need to turn that into an NTCC. <laughs> yes, NTCC from here out. It was something yes. slightly different, uh, like New Testament of God or something, but then someone else had that name, so they had to change it. <laughs> oh, I got you, girl. I have it in my notes. Oh, but what? before we get there, I had some really cool news that I wanted to share with everybody. Oh. So... After our last episode on Satine and Jameson, we actually had someone I know who prefers to remain anonymous nope. write in and say that they are acquaintance of Satine Phoenix. Wow. Mm. So their message says, I just listened to your Once Upon a Cult episode on Satine and Jameson, and I just want to say, well done. Satine was an acquaintance, and she definitely had a sway over people. Wow. So we got a kudos from this person. We got a kudos from another listener in the Dungeons and Dragons community, <laughs> Leah, who we brought up on the episode, who is very impressed by our Dungeons and Dragons. No, she's not. We did a really bad job of representing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it seems like it was a popular episode on um, these two people who there's really not a lot on them when you go on Spotify about kind of the negative aspects of their career. So I'm glad that we tore them down. <laughs> <laughs> they are now canceled. <laughs> no. We just love ruining people here on his <laughs> Yeah. You know what? With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. I feel very much like I am the magical sitar from Moulin Rouge. <laughs> I only speak the truth. <laughs> and the truth about this satine... Was they were not good. <laughs> no. Yes. And, uh, you know, we get a lot of um, compliments from listeners that we do kind of give um, a balanced overlook of the group. So I think we did that with uh, Satine and Jameson as well because they do have good qualities. It's just they're not really apologizing in a good way to kind of make right their wrongs. Mm -hmm. So yeah, kudos to us, Once Upon a Cult. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Let's sit here and give ourselves compliments. <laughs> I but look very sexy today. <laughs> so I'm sure do some you. teams started that way too. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well, today, again, New Testament Christian Churches of America. So this one, um, not a lot of information on this one either. I give kudos to us as a podcast for bringing this. So this was founded in 1969 by Roger with a D, Roger Wilson Davis. It started in St. Louis, Missouri. And Rachel, would you like to tell us what kind of church this is? <laughs> this church <laughs> is a Pentecostal, evangelical, <laughs> Trinitarian, fundamentalist church. Those Good. are all types of Christian. All of yes. them. Yes. And all the so, worst kinds of Christian as well. So, wow. I mean, so you know. <laughs> it's let's true. break them down. So Pentecostal. Do we know what kind that is? I looked so, it up and I already forgot. <laughs> yeah, Pentecostal.
Pentecostal, it really emphasizes the direct personal experience of God through baptism with the Holy Spirit. It, oh, yes, baptism. Yeah, it like kind of goes off of there's this the the Pentecost sort of event that happens in the Bible where the Holy Spirit like comes down upon the apostles and that's known as the Pentecost. I never really understood it when I <laughs> was in church. Um yeah, it didn't make sense to me, but it was a thing that was like talked about. And so I guess it is about experience like the Holy Spirit like kind of purifies and baptizes you. Okay. And if I understand right, evangelical is more like the idea that you are born again sometime in your life, born again Christian. Yeah, born again. And I think they also do a lot of like focus upon getting new people, like spreading the word and bringing mm -hmm. new people um, into the faith, baptizing new people. And then and Trinitarian then... is about the Trinity, right? Yes, they Father, focus a lot on the Holy Trinity. Yeah, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then fundamentalist is very focused on the fact that the Bible is absolute truth. And anyone that says it's a creation myth is <laughs> clearly wrong because all this stuff was factual and happened in real life in the ways because there used to be a heck of a lot more miracles than there are today. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So we got that out of the way. We've talked about all of those things that this church is. Um, and according, a lot of the information I have here is according to Dispatch Magazine. It's kind of funny because it was reported that uh, NTCC has about 10,000 followers and over 100 churches internationally. But then when the Dispatch Magazine did a deeper dive, they said, eh, it's more like 5,000 and it's more like 105 <laughs> churches. But they did that that deep dive back in like 2006. Mm -hmm. So I did look at that with like an air of like maybe they have grown. They could have. I don't know. Like, I mean, one of their big focuses is getting new members. Yeah, I would believe it's closer to the 10K today. No. <laughs> I don't want it to be, but I'll believe it. I know. <laughs> so uh, this was started by Roger Wilson Davis, who we talked about. He was born in 1924, and he actually just recently passed away in 2014. Yeah. yeah. He was I didn't old. Really he much was on his life. Almost made it to the 100 years. Yeah, 95. Wait, Wait he died in 95? No, it said he would live till 95, but something's wrong with the math here. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought, at first I thought you said 2013 for some reason. I don't know why. 2014, <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. 2014 that he died. Yeah. And then was born yeah. in? 1924. What? So that would make yeah. him 90. Yeah, 90 years. Old. That's still pretty long. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So did you get anything before 1969? Um, That's I a didn't hysterical really... number. It's hysterical, you guys. Hysterical. I can't hear that number now. Anytime I'm interacting with people and they bring up that number, <laughs> I'm just like, it's hysterical. Um, but, I mean, before that time, it really was that he was already a pastor, correct? Um, like... He was an established pastor and um, part of the, um, oh my goodness, one of the Pentecostal churches, I believe. And he had wanted them to open a seminary where he was located in Missouri, but then they decided they weren't going to open a seminary there. So he's like, I'm going to open a seminary of my own. And that's when he kind of started his branch of the church, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> and I just found my date was wrong. He was born in 1929. Oh, I juxtaposed so the nine with the four. Even younger. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, he in 69, like Rachel said, that's when he left the Pentecostal Church of God. He set out to do his own thing. And he 
became the first minister of the New Testament Church of God. So this was the NTCG you were referring to. (laughs) (laughs) It had some name changes. Uh A lot. (laughs) Yeah. Like back then you couldn't just hop on the internet and make sure the name wasn't taken already. (laughs) You find that out later when all of a sudden people's like, ah, that's our name. And then you have to fight over it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because like most of these churches are like, we're the new something of Pentecostal this or that. They all use the same (laughs) word. Yeah. (laughs) In slightly different orders. (laughs) Yeah. So um, in the first five years... NTCG, as his kids <laughs> call it, <laughs> it was it was very much part of this holiness movement. So I couldn't find a movement that had holes in it. Do you know what it's okay. talking about? Holiness? No. <laughs> so this was all the idea that like we should live without sin, basically, this whole movement. And I just I really feel for people who are under this belief because everything is a sin according to the New and Old Testament. Like, everything's a sin. Yeah. Like, Like having your period is a sin. (laughs) I mean, this is why women are less than men. So, I mean, (laughs) that's just a given. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, basically, they need people to feel like they're sinning so that they can then bring them together in a, we will heal you, we will save you, because that's what then keeps people giving them money and keeps them following them, because then they feel like without them, they won't be saved, and they will instead go to hell. So it's important to keep people in fear, I think. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's a common theme we've seen with some of these. Yep. Cool. So then um, here's where like my first major red flag comes in. So within those first five years, the church leaders were like, eh, I don't really like outside churches, ministers, or ministries. Outside <laughs> evils. Yeah. <laughs> I want to keep everything within just our church. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So they soon made this rule that you have to, if you're going to be a minister, you have to graduate from the NTCG, as we kids call it, ran seminary, and then you can minister in our churches. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you're going to minister in our churches, we don't want you to participate in any other churches, yeah. just ours. By the way, <laughs> the school that you're going to go to well, this really cool guy, you may have heard of him. He started it. His name is Roger Wilson Davis. He was born in 1929, <laughs> not 1924. <laughs> so he made the, the seminary called Midwestern Bible Institute. So this is very much like, you know, a sounding loop. Like you're going to get taught by us. You're only going to teach for us. And you can't talk to people in other churches. Mm-hmm. Huge red yeah. flag going on here. And they maintain that throughout like the whole history of the church. I guess an ex-member was talking about how they finally like walked away at this point where um, one of the people in their sermon brought up like, if you're going to two different churches, why are you flirting with two different churches? And it's like, why are you equating this to flirting? That's weird. Um, But then they're like, well, I guess I have to choose one and it won't be this one. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yeah. So much like the church, the Midwestern Bible Institute went through a few name changes. It turned into the New Testament Christian College. And then to this day, it's the Testament Christian Cemetery. Or seminary. Oh, <laughs> but he died. <laughs> Everybody died. That got really dark really quick. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and like we said, these are all, like, variations of the same words, but in different orders. (laughs) Musical Mm. chairs for uh, titles. I I just feel they have, like, a thesaurus that they use pretty often. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, 1984 is our next major year. 1984, Rachel. It's a special year when special things happen. Yeah. The NTCG, as we kids call it, moved to Graham, Washington, and in 1987, the seminary followed. So we really have this buddy-buddy system going on. 
the church is expanding and growing. They're getting their message out there. I did read that if you live in Graham, Washington, it is quite normal <laughs> to have people. Oh, <laughs> hello. Would you like to come to our church? <laughs> yeah. But they won't go to the mall because they respect yeah, no. <laughs> business owners and they don't want to bother them. Now they don't respect human beings that are just normal nope. human beings in the confines of their own home, but they do respect business owners. So that's a thing. That's well, plus business owners are the ones who have money. So of course you're going to respect them because yeah. you want them to come to you naturally and share the wealth. Give us your tithing. Yes. Did you have anything you want to add at this point? Um, I mean, one thing that I came across, I think, around this time or that helped them grow was their belief in proselytizing. I think I said that right. Proselytizing. Proselytizing. Um, yeah. <laughs> Prostitute. We say sex worker. <laughs> sex worker rising. <laughs> I mean, whatever you need to do to convert people. Yeah. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> And, and they found a lot of their new members or success in recruiting on military bases, mm-hmm. um, which yeah. eventually had them even go overseas in various countries, a lot in like Germany and the Philippines. Um, because when you're overseas, it is very lonely and you don't really have like family over there, especially if you're a new military person. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, kind of welcoming them with open arms, love bombing them. So um, yeah, it proved successful that way. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people within the military are also at a heightened risk of being recruited to religious orders because there is like a sort of element of like, you could be shipped off to war. You could be in danger at any moment. And so having a higher power that's like protecting you, I think is really appealing. Whereas if you're just a normal everyday person, you might not have that kind of extra aspect of um, fear. (laughs) What is this theme about fear making it more appealing to believe in God? I don't know. It's a thing for sure. (laughs) Yeah, there's some patterns here. (laughs) (laughs) So they also have a monthly magazine called The Trumpet with articles, of course, written primarily by members of the church. So they're getting all their information only from the church. Yeah. So here's where I started noting, I mean, people aren't listening to this because they want to hear just about a church. They want to hear the juicy tea about why it's cult tea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why in the world we would go. we have it on this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> And this is according to past members. The thing about this church is a lot of it is hearsay. Um, Mm -hmm. The Dispatch, I keep forgetting the name, Dispatch Magazine did an in-depth look back in like 2006-ish. And they interviewed a lot of the members. You can also find um, accounts from past members online. But nothing like set in stone, I'll say. So what we're telling you now is not... Us, this is information we got from past members and the dispatch. So that's my way of saying you can't sue us because other people said it. We're just repeating (laughs) it. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, this is one of those groups where perceived, I'll say, perceived sins are read aloud about the members, in front of the members, in their church gatherings. Yeah. So this is a way of making sure that if you don't want to be talked about bullied and ridiculed in front of everybody you better not sin or you better be really good about not getting caught so this keeps people in fear yeah i I read a a story where there is a couple so a lot of it is like you can't have fun or else it's sinful yeah you can't watch tv (laughs) that's a nice way to put it hang out play sports not TV. Yeah. Devil yeah. Vision. Oh, yeah. You cannot that's right. watch Devil, Devil Vision. Vision Devil. And you oh. should not go on the Cinternet. Cinternet. <laughs> that's yes. my favorite. <laughs> well, okay. This is another one I found. Um, this was in a firsthand account. She said there's a term, uh, Pepsi with the Devil. <laughs> 
I told you Pepsi's bad. It's no, it's good because it's with the devil. <laughs> so, so Pepsi with the devil is talking with anyone, which includes a spouse, regarding NTCC policies, beliefs, or conduct, and anything under than laudatory terms. Mm-hmm. So basically, speaking about the church in any way that's not good is Pepsi with the devil. <laughs> Wow. I mean, these people are fun in their naming conventions. Yeah. Though. I mean, they're, as, they're good in naming things, apparently. Yeah. I mean, and that's a skill. I'm not good at naming things, but they got the puns here. So I love it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so going back to like the notion of having fun, the there was a story of a couple that they had a horse or his the wife had a pet horse and she was spending too much attention on the horse that it took away from God. So they well, were actually ridiculed in church. I think wow. we know why girls like horses. So <laughs> cruel intentions too taught me that much. Deep cut for y'all. <laughs> yeah. Just in case you have not seen the popular film Cruel Intentions Two, <laughs> she likes riding horses because it rubs against her and helps her get off. Oh, mm. giddy up! Yeah, the saddle giddy part. Up. Yeah, yeah, giddy up. So, yeah, uh, they're not allowed to celebrate birthdays, no sports, no devil vision, no day. <laughs> Women cannot wear makeup. Women can only wear dresses. They're not allowed to cut their hair. Which is chaos, might I yeah. say. What about that is a good idea? Like, you'll just end up having a rat's nest on your head. Like, oh, no. People should be allowed My to cut their is, hair. Are you not allowed to cut it ever? Because isn't that going to get really long? <laughs> well, they're all Rapunzels. And, yeah, all of the Rapunzels. But then, <laughs> and then, why like are women not allowed to cut their hair, but men are? Why mm-hmm. is long hair on one seen to be good and then not required of the other? I, I mean, it makes no sense to me. But okay. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Um, this is also very, uh, Synanon-ish with the fact that you can't just be like, hey, Rachel, you hot chick, do you mm. want to date? Do you want to go out sometime? You can't do that. No. How dare you? You must <laughs> ask the leader of the church in a meeting of the church and, and then he'll come over to me and he'll ask me if I'm interested. And then if I say, mm, Yes, then we'll get to go sit in special chairs and we'll be allowed to talk <laughs> during the church meeting. And eventually that so after high. I know, it really it builds the tension and the suspense and after a while of doing that, then perhaps we'll be allowed to go out with a chaperone sometime. Stop it. I We're know gonna it's going to be up. So good. <laughs> so yeah, you have to announce your wanting of being with someone in front of your church leader yeah. and a group of people. That's so awkward. I feel like you have to be like really sure that that person wants to date you back. Otherwise, that would be horrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, and part of the problem that was brought up by some of the people in the church is apparently, you know, you would think like, hey, I'm 15. Rachel's 15. Maybe I should date her. Nope. No. Wrong. No. Because they're finding. They have quite a few gentlemen that are older. And none of them mm-hmm. are crazy older. Like there's a bunch because they go to the military. There's a lot of the like 20 some year olds. But they'll get a lot of these gentlemen that age range that are not married. And then, of course, because they don't like want women that are their own people in any way. Um they are selecting kind of from people that have mostly been raised within this church. So um, so they set them up with like 14 and 15-year-olds and arrange marriage with teenage brides. Yeah, usually that's, people in their 20s good. are getting teenage brides. Very disturbing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But you have your chaperone to make sure everything's fine. Until you get until married, you belong, there's no chaperone. Until you belong to the man, and then you can <laughs> yeah. do whatever. <laughs> and I think what makes it worse, one lady's account that I was reading, um, she had said that you are not allowed to speak to married women if you're an unmarried woman. 
So she said that sets up this whole wanting of belonging because you can't speak Mm. to certain people until you're part of that group. So all these little girls want to get married as soon as possible. And then you start losing your friends and then you're like, well, gosh, golly, I need to get married now, too. (laughs) Feels very Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Yeah. And she also recounts a lot of um, stuff you wouldn't expect in a church setting, like the older men taking advantage of the younger women in like ways where they'll have them like give erotic massages to each other. So they watch the teenage girls like do stuff to each other. Oh. I'm, wait, I'm sorry. You said I wouldn't expect this in a church setting? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, that's right, because we would expect little boys, I guess. But, oh, that was really inappropriate. Sorry about that. Um, I feel now really awkward because you guys are being really quiet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah, it seems like there's a lot of sexual misconduct that's kind of been reported. Yeah, on lots of different levels. Like this one, the woman I'm referring to recounts living with a married couple, which I guess isn't that uncommon that they'd be kind of a an aide to a married couple. But mm-hmm. then during the day, while the husband was working, the wife would come in and like do sexual things with the aide, the unmarried aide. So it just seems like there's same sex going on. There's opposite sex going on. Like just a lot of, it seems like putting people in the small environment and not having them be able to socialize with a bigger pool of people. It just kind of turns them into sexual deviants with each other. Mm. And no, I don't think sex and deviants are the same thing, but I don't know if it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, at least from what they express as what would be outwardly acceptable, this would definitely fall within sexual deviancy. Yeah. By like what their standards would be. It's just, it's, I know a lot of these people aren't necessarily here by choice after a while, because at a certain point, I mean, we'll talk about the money aspect next, but they're kept in a state of near poverty. So they really have nowhere to go. But it's just, it's always interesting to me that you've joined this group wanting to find a religious group to feel safe in. You're seeing this stuff happening all around you that's not within the norm of a religion, that's not even in the norm of someone who's not in a religion. And you're still like, this is where I belong. These are my people. It's just, at what point do those red flags go up and you're like, this is wrong? Well, I feel like people, especially someone who would be in a cult, it's probably scarier for them to be alone than it is mm-hmm. to experience these things, unfortunately. Yeah, that's because true. that's kind of all they know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they think it's worse on the outside or like you go into that mindset yeah. that even though you're being victimized, you're, or I shouldn't say victimized. We don't say that anymore. You're being um, kind of used, molested or used. Yeah. Um, manipulated. Manipulated. Yeah. I wonder if it's, because you know the people it's happening with, you lull yourself into a false sense of, you know, I'm I'm giving them pleasure, whereas on the outside, it's worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. and you, they kind of isolate you too, that you don't really know what's on the outside. So, you know, mm-hmm. kind of being naive is, is, what is it? What's that word? Something is bliss. Uh, uh, ignorance that, is bliss. That, Ignorance and bliss, you know, so I feel like it's yeah. just that, like the unknown, going into the unknown, as Elsa says, is... <laughs> was <laughs> Elsa part of this? Very <laughs> scary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, well, and when so many of the behaviors of those outside the group are seen as being sinful, um, mm-hmm. and then sin meaning... Like, if you fall into sin, you will be doomed to hell. Like, there's, there's a lot to encourage one not to dwell or look into doing any of that. True. 
All right. Shall I get into the money and why people are stuck within this group once they join? <laughs> Tithing. <laughs> yes. It was described as being very murky because all of the participants are expected to do the regular 10% tithing, which it would be expected. But they're also encouraged, or more than encouraged, almost forced to pay into special collections for missionary programs. And Mm -hmm. where it gets a little murky is the group doesn't report how much they make. So there's no control over like, how much are you pulling in? How much are you putting out? Where's this money going? Mm -hmm. So (laughs) um, not only are the participants expected to pay the 10% tithing, but also all the local churches, at least in Graham, are expected to take the 10% tithing, collect it all together, and then pay 10% of that up into the upper echelons of the gram section. So they're paying just to be able to have a group of people pay into them. But Mm. what's really weird about this is the congregations are expected to be able to support themselves. So they're paying 10% all the way to the top, but they're being told, but you need to manage yourself. We're not giving you any money. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the next question would be, then why are we paying up to the top? What are you giving us in return? It's almost like the way we're paying for Social Security, and it's (laughs) going to fail by the time we use it. Never, ever going to get that back. (laughs) It's just for the joy of belonging. We're paying money for the joy of belonging. (laughs) And it's funny when you say, like, they're expected to, you know, say – to live on this living as well too, because they're also encouraged to pay on top of the 10% until it hurts. Yeah. So like if I you're hurting, that. then you're probably suffering as well. Like it just doesn't make sense. Yep. Yeah. And then the pastors are expected to have full-time jobs on top of their minister duties. And they also pay up to the higher echelon. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Yeah. The gram top level. <laughs> I don't think you know what that word means. <laughs> I'm kidding. What? Oh. Just the word <laughs> echelon. You keep using the word echelon. <laughs> That's like the, the big tier. I know. I know. <laughs> oh. um, and it's been reported that the group pulls in about 100000 annually. And when they really like, the again, this is the... Dispatch Magazine, when they looked into this figure, they estimated about 43,000 of that 100,000 is actually going into field missions. Wow. So where's that other 57,000 going? (laughs) I don't know. But one thing is, when you think about it, 57,000 is not that much money. No, it's not. That's like... Not even one person's salary in Southern Cal, or what one person should be paid in Southern California. <laughs> but this is just the money brought in for the missions, the field oh, missions. That's, this oh, doesn't okay. even count. Like, that doesn't all count all the other stuff. And, yeah. Okay. Okay. And then when they did a look at the ministers that are a part of the field missions, uh, they found that most of them reported that they live in poverty. So they are definitely not seeing this money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it just so happens that Davis, the head of the church, Mm. he lives in a million-dollar home in Graham. (laughs) Oh. And it was registered with Pierce County as being owned by the church, NTCC. So that probably makes it so he's not paying, I'm guessing, like taxes or anything for the home since it's owned by the church. Yeah. Um, In February 2004, NTCC very uh, cordially gifted upon Davis's son-in-law, Michael Keckel, a 39-acre piece of land next to the NTC campus in Graham. And apparently, uh, around that same time, Keckel reportedly filed an application to build a subdivision of eight lots on this land. Wow. So I really don't know where all this money is going, 
But it seems <laughs> that Davis and Keckle <laughs> are very living very well. Like, basically, they bankrolled these things for themselves. And, like, I imagine with eight lots, then Whoa, whatever you... that's a heinous accusation. <laughs> <laughs> then whatever you put on those lots, like, you can make money from that. Like, if you're renting out properties on it or businesses or whatnot. Yeah, that's yeah. a... Would you like to start a church, Sean? <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay, so now that we've gotten through the money stuff, I saved the best for last, of course. Oh, good. I'm excited. I love good things. <laughs> so I couldn't really find a whole lot that was concrete on this part, so that's why I didn't want to speak to it too much. I mean, there was, I don't know if you saw, Rachel, Alan and I came across this whole thing about, like, um, uh, Roger Wilson Davis being held at gunpoint in a car and this whole, like, thing. Oh, I mean, it was I on kind that. of a janky website, so I don't know <laughs> how accurate it is. <laughs> Sorry if you're listening and you made that website, but it was a little janky. <laughs> uh-huh. But multiple uh, people who lived in and around the church report that um, Roger Wilson Davis would be seen while the husband, Oh, but I forgot to mention this earlier. The husband's, if the husband had a job, the wife was not expected to have a job. She had to be at home. Yeah, of course. Women can't have a job. They need to take care of the man and the babies and the house. Exactly. So it was reported that, during the day you would see RWD walking amongst the houses, knocking on doors and disappearing in the houses. The thing that gets disturbing is it was reported that it wasn't just the wives. It was underage girls as well who report molestation from him. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So you could see like usually when, People are shut off from the world, shut off from the the sinner net. <laughs> <laughs> that there's a reason they're doing it. They have some sort of personal gain, whether it be money, well, whether it be sex, whether it be something. But there is a reason to keep people less educated and fearful of the outside world, which is very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And this casts a whole other light on the fact that he was requiring the men to ask him for permission first in front of mm-hmm. everyone before then going to the woman or the, I mean, let's be real to the child uh, to ask her <laughs> if she was okay with it. I had that same thought. Cause yeah, I wonder if he was, you know, grooming certain girls and he wanted to keep them for himself. So this was his way to control. Mm-hmm. Um, and we could see that this, this thought kind of prevails throughout the group as well because in 2005 um michael i believe fontenot ad- admitted to raping his 12 year old daughter and so i don't know if there was you know what type of molestation i shouldn't say rape because that paints a very like a sexual assault a sexual yeah. assault because yeah mm-hmm. um the wife said that the husband was showing some not great signs he was uh beginning to watch a lot of pornography he was beginning to go out to clubs and then the red flags really hit when she saw him walk out of his daughter's room just wearing his underwear Um, because she said that wasn't a normal practice he was usually wearing sweatpants or shorts or something but coming out of your daughter's room in underpants never paints a great picture up until you got to that last red flag i was like watching porn okay going to clubs (laughs) Okay. The last one is where it crosses the line. Well, it was a red flag only because those weren't things that you did in this group. I mean, as someone who watches porn nearly every day, not a red flag for me. (laughs) (laughs) I was, I was kind of thinking about that as it was going on. I was like, Oh no, are we all red flag offenders watching porn (laughs) and going to clubs? (laughs) 
But um, Al and I have had some conversations on kind of this aspect of the church, more so with like the pastors and priests about like saying that they, they are not allowed to have sex. Mm-hmm. It does create this whole different level where you become just obsessed with it, I guess. You look anywhere to get it. It sets up these bad situations where, you know, if you are a pastor and you're not allowed to be married or have sex, the easiest target would be a child within your flock, basically. Well, because then you have to do it within secret. You have to do it within secret in some way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I remember back when, you know, all the child molestation accusations happened, you know, back, or the the bigger ones, I should say, or just came upon more, um, you know, there were talks about, like, they should just have priests be able to get married and you know have sex because that's just human nature i mean i don't know where it came from after i mean like what happened after that but it's just like it's unfortunate that like just something as simple as that is so uh, taboo in the church you know yeah because if you look at other countries where it is more normalized like the uk where they have you know naughty commercials on tv (laughs) it's more of a normal thing that everybody does you don't run into these issues so much Mm -hmm. for some reason in America, we like to make sex a very naughty, naughty, bad thing. Yeah. And (laughs) I mean, yeah, you get sexually frustrated and it builds up and then you just, it happens. Like, you know, human nature just just happens. And unfortunately it happens with people doing it to people. They shouldn't be doing it to, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And within the Protestant faiths, like there's no need for, like the priests or preachers, I guess they're preachers in that aspect and not priests within a Protestant faith. Um, They're allowed to get married. That was like one of the big kind of divisions in the church um, that had happened between Protestantism and um, like the Catholic church where priests have to remain celibate. Um, Yeah. And then that just creates whole situations where the church is like covering for them And, like, the biggest way of dealing with that situation isn't to, you know, defrock a priest and put him out of the group. It's to send him to a different location, Mm -hmm. which is, like, not helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I I also have weird feelings around it. Like, I definitely... Growing up, there was a priest within our church that was accused of it. And I actually had very close connections to this priest. And so there was an aspect where in this situation, I didn't necessarily know that. And to this day, I don't think I believe that he actually did what he was accused of. But also this person who accused him accused like five other priests. And I'm like, did you just go around and every priest that you saw did this to you. To me, it's more likely that you would have had like one situation with someone rather than you yourself would have gone to multiple places and everywhere you went had someone molest you. But yeah, he's my grandma's best friend. So, (laughs) and I'd been alone with him tons as a child and all that. So I have weird feelings around that too. I know like I believe victims almost always, but I, I find it really hard in that situation because I'm like, mm, I don't think he no, did. Yeah, you're right. That <laughs> is hard with um, survivors because there are those people who want to take advantage of the situation, which takes away from the people who actually went through a situation, yeah. which is unfortunate. And yeah. we see that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Should we talk about this group and whether we feel it's culty? Or did you have anything else you want to bring up? I think we hit all the main things that are out there. Yeah, it was a hard one to research. <laughs> yeah, when I first looked into it, it looked like there was going to be good information. And then when I first started actually researching, it was like, there's not much. <laughs> yeah, well, like the name yeah. of the group, too, is so general. Like when I tried to look them up, I get like Bible verses and just like sermons yeah. from other churches. And I'm just like, this is not what I'm you- looking for. <laughs> 
you want to read the New Testament? <laughs> yeah. Here's no, the New no. Testament. I'm, no, that's fine. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. But you know yeah. what? I commend us. <laughs> I give I'm us pats on, the, on the back. Good job, everyone. Good job. <laughs> All right. So would we say there is a charismatic leader? Oh. It's hard to say. Yeah. I, well, I that's mean, the thing too. There's not a lot of information on the R. W. Davis as well. Like, I don't know yeah. if you guys saw any pictures of him or videos of his like preaches uh, sermons, but I didn't. I couldn't find anything. Yeah, I couldn't find. Yeah, much. I mean, this guy obviously had enough charisma to get a whole bunch of people to follow him when he decided to start his own branch of a church, mm-hmm. um, and he was a preacher he would do sermons that I'm sure were very charismatic, but then he's not around anymore. And I didn't see much information on the state of things now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It so looks it's like hard it's, to say. it's run by uh, Michael Keckle, the son-in-law, but yeah, son-in-law. even then not a whole lot. Yeah. I mean, he's charismatic enough to have eight lots Never given to him <laughs> yeah. by the church. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Um, we've kind of already talked about this, but alienation, yes. definitely. Definitely. Alienating them from everything in the outside world. Mm-hmm. Devil uh, vision. <laughs> Sinner net. <laughs> <laughs> Pepsi with the devil. <laughs> uh, belief uh, system. They have some beliefs. Yep. That's going to be my quote until the day I die. <laughs> they have some beliefs. Or until we only have two episodes left. <laughs> I'm just going to say it in random situations for the rest of my life. Okay. Yeah. Um, outside evil. Yeah. Sinner net. Sinner net. Sinner net. Devil vision. <laughs> they have some beliefs. <laughs> um, and sense of community. I mean, they have a community. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have some there, beliefs. <laughs> there has to be a reason people want to participate in it and connect with it. Um, yeah, I think anytime you have a church, there's a big sense of community. Like you're giving, you're tithing in order to support this church that you believe in. You are proselytizing because you like believe in the group and everything. So there's definitely a sense of community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is something I know we've talked about on many an episode, but I mean, I feel that a lot of church groups are hop, skip and a jump from being a cult. And a lot of them do cross that line. In my opinion, this one does cross the line into a cult because he's directly taking advantage of people for money and sexual gain and he is locking them away from the outside world in information with information. And mm-hmm. he's just completely taking advantage of these poor people. Mm-hmm. See, and I might have said that for while he was in around while he was around, I can see that. And I don't know how much that held through to his old age. Mm-hmm. Like, was he still did he still have the same sort of chokehold on everything? But like in modern days now, I don't know. We we don't have one of the difficulties is like a lot of these old like people that were ex-members like had written their stuff down so long ago on the internet that you'd go and follow a link to somewhere and it would no longer exist. Like they had a support True. website for ex-members of this group that no longer exists. So they could be like I mean aside from the corruption around using funds to um, you know, fund their real estate that keeps them rich. Um, other than that, they could just be doing normal church stuff that just tends to be a way more conservative than I like to be with my church. Well, that's true. That's a good statement to make. Because, yeah, I definitely think it's a cult under R.W. Davis's rule. But you're right. We don't really see a whole lot of information since he passed in 2014. So it could be a normal group now. But definitely yeah. under Davis it was. Yeah. Good and with him being like 90 years old when he died, like who knows how active he yeah. was even then. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> Just imagine ninety year old guy going around to everyone's houses. Yeah. Knocking on door. <laughs> hey, can I come inside? <laughs> oh no. Oh, God. <laughs> cool. Well, that was a not fun one again. No. <laughs> so um just to remind everybody in two weeks we'll have one last cult and then in one month Rachel, Victoria, Alan and I will be gathering around the old table. One of us on a computer screen. <laughs> <laughs> From far away. <laughs> From far away. And we'll just do kind of a wrap-up episode where we're going to – I'm looking forward to it. We're going to talk yeah. about our experiences doing the show. We're going to talk about any loose ends since we did that cult of like kind of a where are they now type thing. And I'm, just kind of – Is this going to be a live episode of- that people can log into live and it'll definitely work when we lo- log into it live, our reunion episode? It's going to be like Love is Blind. I know. It's like, is this Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> They're going to wait for about an hour and a half until we figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were up until 2 in the morning to watch Love is Blind. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so it eventually got – put on we eventually got in <laughs> on my phone <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not even on the tv no, no. oh no <laughs> rachel where oh. can they find you enough love is blind <laughs> <laughs> um you can find me or you can find old episodes of me <laughs> on a real bodice ripper where i talk about romance novels with my friend jesse and how problematic they are and i'm going up to washington so maybe i'll try to go swing by the good old Graham. ntcc and see how they're doing <laughs> hi say hi to mr keckle for us yeah. i will where can we find you, Alan? Yeah, you can also find us on Marvelous Galaxy of Disney, where we every week talk about um, anything under the Disney umbrella. Yeah, just, just not, just not next week. <laughs> just not next week. <laughs> Don't look for it next week. <laughs> we'll be in Vegas. Oh. <laughs> Actually, no, this is coming out after, right? Oh yeah, we'll be back yeah. by the yeah. So okay, never mind. Just take, not today, <laughs> but next week. <laughs> not today, next week. Yeah, <laughs> and you can also find me on Solving for X. We are currently in season four, the best season of the X Men cartoon, or on Words of the Witches. Not only did we just review a book, we also did an interview with Pat Shand, who wrote the uh, season ten comic books. So that's pretty cool. cool. Lovely. I thought it was cool. Sama, sama. Sama, sama. Sounds sama, like sama. Spanish to me. Sounds like Spanish to me. I'm going to you guys. Right. Put a pin in that. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with you in two weeks. And stay safe out there, Colties. Bye. Bye.